Hello and welcome to the Neshama Project podcast. Today we have a special episode. I have joining me Rabbi Shoshana Lees, who is a very special guest. And we're going to study some Torah together, um, Parshat Korach, uh, which is this week's Torah portion. And uh, we're starting, we'll start with some text and some commentary and see where we go from there. So Rabbi Shoshana, what do you have for me today? What do I have for you? For us, for my listeners, for our listeners. Well, I'll first say it's an honor to be included here in the Neshama podcast. Yep. Uh, so we're studying Parshat Korach today, um, which begins in the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, chapter 16. Vaikach Korach. Korach took. Many commentaries start right off and say he was a taker, not a giver. Maybe he had a good point. Korach, who is a priest and challenges Moshe's authority and leadership. Um, Along with 250 Israelites' chieftains, he leads a rebellion both against Moses and Aaron. Now what he says seems fine on the surface, right? All, you've gone too far, well, that's debatable. But for all the community are holy, all of them, and God is in their midst. Why do you raise yourselves above God's con- congregation? Now, as a Reconstructionist rabbi for 17 years, I was trained to find that balance between seeing myself both as a leader and stepping in when I see an issue of anything ranging from questions of Jewish status, where the rabbi would have authority, to uh, moral issues, where the rabbi should stand up and say what's true. Otherwise, why be on the bima? But pretty much anything related to ritual issues should be a collaborative process with the community, empowering the community, using my role, my knowledge, my resources to give the community resources to then guide decisions. And that's... So you're saying that Korach... I mean, right off the bat, I'm saying... Is like a Reconstructionist rabbi. Anti-centralized authority. Or a congregant. Well, he himself was the leader, but he's challenging an authority figure who holds the power. Anti-centralized authority. Well, or... But he... Maybe, you know, you could argue that ultimately he wants the power himself. He's saying the words isn't aren't we all holy? But I'm not sure if ultimately he believes. You know, it's right off the bat we sort of question what's going on here politically. Um, and I want to point out initially Moshe's response is very simple. It's like when Aaron is silent after the death of his sons. Moshe 
very simply, he hears this, he falls on his face. What's that about? Falls on his face. I guess that means he's upset. There are many commentaries on this. From the Midrash. Moshe falls on his face because this is already the fourth point of strife from the people. The golden calf, complaining in the desert, last week's spies, and now Korach. One of the uh, explanations of him falling on his face is that he first needs to look at himself. What have I done to cause this? Who am I in this unfolding? What's my side of the street? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I can't change anyone else but myself. Moshe is a man of great humility, and he's modeling that here. Okay, that's one option. Um, let's see. Another understanding why he fell on his face is he's asking, why did I draw this upon myself? Continuing on what I was saying before, I'm not really truthfully happy and content what do I have against these people? Am I upset at them? Where could this have stemmed from within me? This is a really important practice. Um, Moshe is modeling, you know, it's not about being right, but about relationship, right? The goal isn't about being right. It's about the world working for me and others. It's about... Right? You say this all the time. Relieving suffering, increasing happiness. Something happens and you look and you say, okay, how can I relieve suffering? How can I increase happiness? I'm not trying to be right here. We focus on Moshe first because that's the first one who responds. But remember, this is a challenge to both of them. And then he goes on to act. So I think uh, Rabbi Ingwer spoke last night, quoted by Rabbi Diane um, Kohler Estes this morning in Torah study at Romamu, that um, we move from grief to grievance, and that underneath our anger is an avoidance of sadness, that when grief comes over us, we want to try to open to it. When anger comes over us, we want to try to control it. And so... There's the process here for both Korach, for Moshe, for Aaron, for everyone involved to access their, to experience fully their feelings. And maybe that's what was going on for Moshe. He deeply listens, he falls on his face, and then he goes into action. So he's modeling, not being reactive, but taking the time to respond with, as they would say in DBT, wise mind. The balance between the world of feeling, the mind of feeling and emotion, and the mind of the rational, the intellect. Both are needed. I've seen also in the commentary that there's a balance between the Levite and the Kohen. 
what is receiving, what is giving. The Kohen is about giving chesed, and the Levite is about making boundaries and receiving. And so he perhaps is seeking that balance as well. He's the same guy who struck the rock. Well, maybe and he's yelled at the people. Well, that's actually coming. That's not happened yet. Ah, so he hasn't. Uh, he doesn't always well, respond. Well, three steps way. forward, two steps back. You're saying he's more evolved now than he is. Well, in this incident, you could look at that. Like, what was it about the striking of the rock that he didn't fall on his face? Now there have been all these things, as I mentioned, the golden yeah, calf, the spies. The... Pulled himself back at this point, but uh, but then another there's another challenge to his authority, and then his sister just died. And a lot going on. He's like really upset. He's like, oh, I can't, I can't hold it back anymore. I'm just well, screaming at everybody and strike the rock. Now remember, in the next verse, he doesn't just stay there on his face, you know. Then he speaks to Korach and everybody and says, all right, we're going to have a showdown with the fire pans. So? Well, maybe Korach is coming from the postmodern perspective. Where everyone has a perspective and equal access and holiness. I mean, I agree with this. Everyone, everyone has is their holy. Own valid perspective of the truth. And maybe Moshe is coming from an integral perspective, or or modern, or pre-modern, or traditional, or tribal, or earlier. Mm. Maybe Moshe is. You know, maybe Korach is an evolved next step after Moshe, and then we try to get even further to integral. But if you go from the point of view of the Torah. Moses is right. Right? I mean, that's... The end of the story is they got swallowed up by the earth. Well, they were seeds planted in the earth to be refined and then to grow again. And then look, the staff grows and sprouts. And so, and they, maybe and it's not a punishment. That says that they're still... Living. And they have the Psalms attributed to them, B'nai Korach. Yeah. And from the texts that I've read about them, they're more like they're more like hungry ghosts, wrathful mm. ghosts living in the ground in the desert. You know, uh, it's this sort of in the Zohar, they're seen as these characters that are singing these songs from the out of the ground. You know, like that scene in Christmas Carol that um, in Fort Collins. Exactly. What was that song they sing? I love that. I, I think I, to go on to my typical way of looking at things. You're Hasidic, Kabbalistic, Buddhist. Okay. It has to do with desires. Mm-hmm. So, there's a commentary, the Chesed Avraham commentary. It says, it's on uh, number 615. It says, And in his anger, Moses said to God, Do not heed their offering. I have not taken a single donkey from them, and I did not wrong any one of them. So, donkey, it's weird that, that the 
The Talmud interprets Moses' statement as, I have not taken a single object of desire, chemed. So not chamor, donkey, but chemed, object of desire. That's from Babylonian Talmud, Megillah 9b. Mm-hmm. This can be understood through reference to the statement by the woman of Shunam, Sarafat, from 1 Kings 17.18, you have come to me to recall my sin. You should always rouse your good side, because when you don't, your bad side awakens. However, when you are at a low spiritual level and in the presence of an elevated tzaddik, you may not be able to arouse your good side. The greatness of the tzaddik may overwhelm you. Then, heaven forbid, your evil side could awaken. This is the meaning of the Shunammite woman's complaint. You have come to me to recall my sin. Your coming to me has awakened my sinful side. But if the tzaddik is humble, this will not happen. Moses was the most humble of all the people, and the meaning of I have not taken a single donkey, chamor, is to say that I have not caused any person to raise their corporeal chomer side. And according to the Talmud, it is to say, quote, I have not provoked the desires, chemda, of any person, and I did not wrong any one, echad of them, means I did not damage the one, achdut, the life force within them. So what this is maybe saying is that when you're in a position of leadership, like Moses was, you have to make sure that you're taking care of people and uh, arousing their strengths and encouraging their strengths and not encouraging their desires and really building on their their positive sides. And it sort of goes with what you said, that he fell on his face, right? That that um, within Korah was this desire for power emerged and maybe Moses is sort of taking this on himself to say, well, I, I don't think I did anything wrong to arouse this desire for power. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's part of what's going on here. It has to do with desire. Korach's desire for power. One thing we've learned in our um, super parenting class is that there is a purpose for every emotion. Feelings are there to motivate you, to communicate. Um, but there isn't the discernment. Like it's, it's, it's uh, energy, in a sense. So I don't think there's an inherent issue with desire, but that it be directed towards conscious purpose like machukot l'shem shamayim an argument that's full of desirous energy if it's for the sake of the greater good directed, channeled then desire is not only healthy but necessary you mean desire, like ego desire yeah, so for example uh, you're referencing Pirkei Avot where it says there's Machloket L'Shem Shemayim, Machloket Lo L'Shem Shemayim. L'Shem Shemayim is the disagreement between Hillel and Shammai, and the one between Korach and Moses is Lo L'Shem Shemayim, not for the sake of the greater good, not for the sake of heaven. Um, so even Shammai, who, with whom Shammai, we often disagree, 
had the right intentions. Right. Right, and they were both... I mean, it was a non-zero-sum game. They weren't trying to tear the whole thing down. Right. Which feels a lot like about where we are versus, now in me our versus country. you, like, I, like, it's up, you know, it's either I'm right or you're right. I'm right and you're wrong, or you're right and I'm wrong. Um, well, there is right and wrong. Like, there are conclusions that the rabbis come to, you know. The halacha goes with so-and-so, but the minority opinion is included and assumedly influences the majority opinion and there's a listening and a respect. I mean, it's so about right now. So about right now. And the civil discourse and lack thereof. Right, it goes back to Korach took. Right. Right, he didn't. Trump took. He didn't give. Look, he's leading this populist, you know, aren't we all holy? Right. Well, I mean, I think that goes back to uh, an integral perspective as opposed to a postmodern perspective, right? An integral perspective says, a, a postmodern perspective says, aren't we all right? There's, everybody has a valid perspective of the truth. And an integral perspective says, well, actually, there's right and wrong. And, and by, well, that also came by before postmodern. Modern. Right, no? by saying, no. So, yes and no, right. Um, there's a there's a valid critique of modernism mm-hmm. to say that that there are multiple perspectives. You mean of postmodern or of modernism? Oh, postmodernism okay. is a valid critique of modernism to say that there are multiple perspectives on any issue. That being said, there are truths, right? It, it's it's not like there is no truth, which is sort of what postmodern perspective points towards. It's like, okay, everybody has their valid perspective of the truth. And then you can say, for example, you know, putting women, women in burqas or denying women the right to choose, it's just as valid a perspective of the truth right. as the other way, right? That, that um, you know, there are, there are, to say that there are deep moral truths, there are multiple perspectives, but you have to be able to say that there are deep moral truths. And, and that we discern those truths from listening and looking for the partial truths in the multiple perspectives. Right. So, and the common critique of postmodernism is you say, oh, there's multiple valid perspectives of the truth, there's no one truth. But you're actually making a truth claim in that statement because you're saying there's there's anything is true, everything is multiple, all possible uh, perspectives are true, except for the perspective that says there's only one truth, right? Right. So that that you're making a truth claim, which is just to say that oh, there's right, which is why integral relativity transcends and includes. Right, because it because in that per, from the postmodern perspective, you have to admit that you're making a truth claim, right? That uh, and and that there are some truths that you can come to, um, and and that and that um, that some hierarchies are actually. So this is this maybe gets to part of what it's saying to Korach, right? So there's different kinds of hierarchies. 
there's hierarchies that are um, dominance hierarchies where you know there's one person dominates another uh, person and that's like in a hierarchy like a power hierarchy mm-hmm. right but then there's um, another kind of hierarchy called the holarchy holarchy Holarchy, which is like holons, right? Each level uh, sort of transcends and includes the next level. Mm-hmm. So, for example, right, atoms uh, make up molecules, right? And it's like not like the molecules are dominating the atoms, but you need atoms to make up molecules, and you need molecules to make up chemicals, and you need chemicals to make up. Okay. Like. So what, what was life. Korach saying? Right, Korach, Korach was saying was back to your statement about postmodernism, right? Korach, Korach was saying that all hierarchies are bad, and and perhaps I mean maybe if we want to go the integral way of interpreting this, right? That perhaps Moses is saying, well, not all hierarchies are bad. It's just dominance hierarchies are that are bad. And I'm not here to dominate you. I'm here because this is my role to be in charge right now. I'm not of this area, right? There's right the now, priesthood, and then there's the right, leadership, and that everybody has their own particular um, place in the holarchy, right? Everybody has their own particular role, uh, and I'm not here to dominate you. I'm just here to serve and to do the role that I was placed into. So, you know, there's a way to spin this to say that it's actually saying that not all hierarchies are bad, uh, and that some hierarchies are holarchies. And maybe that's what Moses is saying here. And back to the Reconstructionist thing, right, and the, the leading a Jewish community. Right, that the rabbi should have a certain amount of authority and power because that's their role that they're placed in. They're not there because they're there to dominate their congregants. They're there because that's the role that they're serving in. And they and it's okay to be a maradatra and to, to be making certain kinds of decisions as the authority. Right. And but there's the because there's the halakhic authority. Because, by the way, because you're ed, more educated, right? So you're more educated, and therefore you should have. No. You've received. You have an expertise. No. Here's why that's wrong. Here's why I don't agree. Here's why I don't agree. Okay, so we have a COVID reopening committee meeting coming up next week. And we started to think about, is this COVID reopening committee representing the entire congregation? Because, of course, there's a whole range of people's relationship with where we are right now in this pandemic, ranging from, hey, guys, we're still in it. We should be acting the same way we did in March 2020 or April. And, or, you know, modified, of course, vaccinated people. We're in a different place, but nonetheless, or people who are... You know, really ready to return to a, a, a day-to-day world and not using the word normal because well, that's a whole other conversation. We're in a new normal. Um, in any case, um, there are people in the committee who are more educated, the medical doctors. And the 
when I raised this question to one of the leaders of the committee, the response was, well, you wouldn't do that in the ritual committee. You wouldn't ask the whole congregation because ritual committee are people who have more knowledge. And I said, actually, I would. I spend most of the time in ritual committee meetings considering the needs and the desires and the engagement potential for people who are not educated necessarily, but whose opinions should be included, Dafka, in those rooms. And so I guess my question is, is Moshe's claim to leadership in the realm of the priesthood, the, the realm of ritual? No. His claim of leadership is in the leadership of the community in its journey towards Israel, in its relationship with with Torah, with God, as opposed to Aaron, who is the high priest. One of the commentaries says that Korach's challenge was not to Moshe, but was more to Aaron in saying that it's the priesthood that shouldn't be hierarchical. And I agree with that. Leadership is important, but I'm not sure if it's important in ritual to the extent that we as Jews have have privilege the people who have more quote knowledge well I, I, I think I I disagree because because the doctors are more educated right so for the COVID committee why is anyone even on the committee other than the doctors why is there even a committee well just ask the doctors the community has decided that these are the people that they decided to empower who they feel are educated to make this decision just like a community hires a rabbi or the community of the Israelites has Moses, okay. this is the person that they've decided to, to lead them. And you can't undermine the, the person's position and their leadership that you've empowered them with. Oh, so a democratic process has elected, assumedly, a rabbi to be the ritual leader and a doctor to lead the COVID policies. Because and there's a reason that they've elected, quote unquote, or hired the rabbi, or elected the doctor, because that person has a, a body of knowledge that helps them to make that decision in a in a unique way that other people can't make that decision. And, 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 I have a lot you to wouldn't say about have, both. You wouldn't have. I, I would say the same thing. You know. It, I mean, it depends on the, the scope of the decision, right? If it's a COVID decision, it's not just about medicine, right? There are also other values at play, and so there's other elements. Absolutely. But when, when you're looking at specific areas that are... Like, I wouldn't have a rabbi tell me what to do for my cancer treatment. Would you have a rabbi to have to tell you what to do for your cancer No, treatment? but I don't know if I would have a rabbi tell a congregation what it should do for its worship. Why not? Because the rabbi that, is coming that's from a particular perspective, to... trained, knowledgeable in, in tradition, and... I think without making a dichotomy here of tradition, innovation, you and I have particular perspectives. You and I both. We land a little bit differently in 
in, in, a, in a dance between tradition and innovation, not to say that tradition doesn't have innovative, you know, inclinations and not that the innovations that we are embracing, such as wayfinders, wilderness, Torah, doesn't return to ancient, you know, earth-based ways. Like, I'm not trying to make a strong dichotomy here between tradition and innovation. However, these rabbis, you and I, if left alone to make ritual decisions on behalf of an entire community, we we need to be aware of the spiritual needs of each of the people we're serving, whether or not they're in the room, whether or not they're members of the congregation, and perhaps whether or not they're Jews. And that's what we're trained these, to do. Right. So to your point, I think if we are trained, do, are we trained to do, do that? Do you want somebody coming but in? Who's not trained in 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 community organization and and figuring out the needs of different people and coming in and being the chair of your ritual committee and saying, you know what, Rabbi, I know what this community. Let me ask you a question. You don't know what this community. Let me ask you a question. What if the question is, what is the goal ultimately? Like Korach is the chair of the ritual committee. Let me finish. And, And Moses is the rabbi. Let me finish. Yeah. What ultimately are we here for? What is the purpose of a spiritual community, a Jewish spiritual community? What is it? It's, you tell me, according to Kaplan, it's Judaism, it's the evolving religious civilization of the Jewish people to serve the spiritual, emotional, intellectual, communal needs of the Jewish people to bring about Sukkun Alam. You could say all those things. But I want to say that we are in a uh, we are in a, a major shift in evolution of consciousness where if we aren't questioning even our role even the synagogue you all the time question the synagogue model but are you willing to put yourself out of a job as a rabbi right look at what it takes to you know in politics to for some hopefully still existent uh well-meaning Republicans that they might say, you know what, I might, it might be in, in the best interest of the greater good for me to step back and not even enter this fray right now. Or whatever it is. Like, in other words, Korach didn't look at the greater good and the greater whole in the future, you know, seven generations down the line. And God knows the Supreme Court isn't either. So, discernment and multiplicity of perspectives where indeed we're seeking truths together. We need Korach at the table, right? But one place at the table. We need Moshe at the table. One place at the table. It's a circle. And now it's you're going circle. back to the postmodernist view. Everybody, so call me a postmodernist. Perspective of the truth. Right. There's, right. but you know what? You're making a truth claim. Right. You're saying, oh, everybody has a valid perspective of the truth, and if you don't agree with me that everybody has a valid perspective of the truth, then you're wrong. You're God wrong. is at the center, and we're all seeking. What if you don't believe in something? God? Then call it something else. The, the, the becoming of possibility, again, for a universal good, and, that, and, and post-tribal universal good. 
Which is why I want to question all of it, including... Post-modern, post-post-modern. Are we facing the future unafraid of the loss of our particular loyalties and and privilege, right? Looking at being an anti-racist. Are we willing to stand up and say, yes, I won't get that promotion, but the person of color will? Because it's time to build a circle of what we're talking. Why? Because if we Korach took for himself, and I'm saying that there's a there's a tendency, it's difficult to 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 even question what we ourselves benefit in order to serve a greater good. How we ourselves are benefit from privilege, for example, in order to to really have those machlokot machlokot. Shem Shemayim, arguments, discerning, process, dialogue, for the sake of something greater than ourselves that doesn't even exist yet. Future generations we can't even conceive okay. of. I, I mean... And Moshe was a God-man. Moshe was the closest one to being able to conceive of the mind of God who... Oh, so he was, he was more knowledgeable. He was more connected. Others, so he had that ability. The Torah says. So he was more evolved. So he was actually he should have been in a position of, of of the top of the hierarchy. Leadership is important. You know, compassionate leadership that that, that, your see, that falls on its face from time to time. You gotta give the leader his power, or her If power, the leader is willing power. to fall on his face. Yeah, but not every time. He yeah. didn't fall on his face every time. Sometimes he smashed tablets, sometimes he struck rocks. No, he didn't rocks. really fall on his face if you look at the rest of the text. But he did at first. Yeah, then he... Well... Then he said, you know what, let's see what's going on. Yeah, and how it ended up. It was actually wrong. A lot of people died. It's a plague. What, 14,000? Plague happened after. First the people were swallowed, then the plague. True, but Moshe was the leader, so I blame him. Blame the leader for everything. All right. Well, what do you, what do you it's all hard think, not to blame the dear listeners? No, I blame Korach, but uh, this is this is uh, this has been how do you Mishana give project. Korach <laughs> a seat at the table? This has been the Neshama. You want the final word? Don't you? This has been the Neshama Project podcast. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. My special guest today has been Rabbi Shoshana Lapis, my now co-rabbi at the Pleasant. Synagogue. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to come, she's also the rabbi in Hebrew Congregation of Stoners. If you'd like to experience uh, some of this in person, come to either Pleasantville or Stoners, and uh, you get a more in-person version. Hardy dialogue. Hardy dialogue. Uh, So this has been the Shema Project podcast. Until next time. This is Rabbi Ben.